Hi, I'm Iris Muller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and a proud mom of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. And I'm Alma Schneider, a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mom of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms No Fluff. Hello, and welcome to Two Moms No Fluff. Welcome. If you are a veteran listener, thank you so much for returning. And if you're new, get ready to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new, like we say in the intro. We are really happy to have you here. And um, I think I'm going to have Iris tell you about the very deeply personal episode you are about to hear. Yes. Today, Alma, we are diving into a discussion about having another child after having a child with a disability. And I know this is a very charged topic for a lot of us, those that do have children after a child with a disability and those who do not and those who are actually actively now considering. So I think today Am and I would again make an effort to be as transparent with you as we have been so far and to share our personal experiences in this journey. Alma, do you want to start? Oh, you're so mean. You're so right. mean. You start. I can start. No, it's okay. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but this is a very charged topic for many, many reasons. So I'm going to give you my, you know, some of my uh, uh, thoughts and feelings about it and what actually happened with us. Um, so my son with the disability was the third out of four kids that I had, that we had. And um, I, let me go back a little and say that I always wanted to have four kids. That was always sort of my idea um, for my family, because I come from a very big family. I come from seven kids and it's just, you know, I think that for a lot of us, um, when we're doing family planning, we, we go with what's familiar. And I had a very big family. Some people go the opposite direction. If they have a really big family, they want a very small family. But um, for me, I, I liked the idea of having a lot of, you know, siblings and, um, you know, we're, we're all in touch and close in my family. So I just, you know, wanted that for my own family. So my intention from the get-go was to have four kids. Um, but Lincoln was born as the third kid. And um, the beginning was very, very traumatizing for me. From the second he came out there, you know, if you've listened to the other episodes um, about getting the diagnosis and and many of our other episodes, it was very, very traumatic um, because we're uh, mostly because of fear. We're so afraid of what our lives are going to be like. So add on top of that, the trauma of um, the the expectation of joy and then having a diagnosis given. So it's just this, you're thrown into this very, very um, extra traumatic situation because you're expecting, so your expectations are so high for the joy. And then for a lot of people, not everyone, but for me at least, um, I was so excited. And then to be told that, you know, our lives are gonna be forever changed and in a pretty negative way was what what we had been told and what we had read. So for me, uh, very soon after Lincoln was born, I, even though we were dealing with a feeding tube and dealing with, um, lots of fear about the future, 
I was in my late thirties and I became hyper-focused on, oh my God, I need another kid because I'm going to age out of uh, being able to have children eventually. Um, a lot of people around me were having kids in their late thirties. And I thought I need to, I need to do this. I need to do it for me. And I need to do it for my family because what I had heard from some people was that having another kid, I did my research and this is something that, you know, we're telling our personal stories here, but we also have some tidbits of, of advice um, or suggestions. Talk to other people if you're not sure what you want to do. I talked to other parents of kids who had children with Prader-Willi syndrome, and I asked them <clears throat> what it was like for them uh, to have another kid or if they planned on having other kids. And I'm going to continue on about that um, in a minute, but I'm going to let Iris start her story. <laughs> Take the stage here. <laughs> this is the this is the cliffhanger for you for me. Um, so and then we'll go into you. Yeah. Well, Alma, it's a. Oi, listening to your story reminds me a little bit of you know our adventures, and I think um, for us, for our family, uh, Karen was our first child, and um, going back as well a little bit. Um, for anyone who has a unmedicated birth, the the kind of part that we all are looking forward to is uh, connecting with the baby after the birth, having that rush of oxytocin after natural childbirth and being able to kind of connect with your child. And uh, um, unfortunately, for me, like many other uh, parents that have a complicated childbirth and uh, or a child that has additional needs at childbirth you're separated from your child and all you have to kind of dwell uh, on is the pain of delivering a baby and I remember that during those hours and um, I, I was really injured at childbirth as well I the hours that I didn't have my child next to me my baby to connect with all I could think about was the horrible horrible pain and I couldn't understand how would people have another child after having, another, you know, if you deliver once, now you know what it is like. Why would you ever want to have another <laughs> child? And uh, th that was uh, one part of it. And then the second part was, of course, all of the um, kind of like the aftermath of having a new diagnosis of knowing that your child would have a life that is very, very different than what you hoped for, for them and for yourself and very, very different than what you are used to and familiar with. And those appointments with doctors and uh, running from uh, the PT to the OT and trying to kind of wrap your mind around an uncertain future, etc. That was such like a traumatized uh, time in my life that all in all, I thought that uh, even if I gave my one baby all the time and attention that I have, this is still not enough. 24 hours a day is not enough to really help her with all of her en endless needs and things that she needs uh, support with. And the total of those three parts of the equation, the the trauma of childbirth, the trauma of like having a child with a, a, a disability and the trauma of caregiving, it all equaled to we cannot have another child after this. And this is this is going to be our life journey. This is what we are going to focus on. And we kind of 
my husband and I incongruence decided we are not going to have more children. Now, if you're listening to this podcast for a while now, you do have know that I have another child, but we'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes. I'll go back to you, Alma. Cliffhanger, cliffhanger. Um, everybody's got their own journey. It is really so, it's really true. <laughs> so um, for me, you know, it's funny to hear you say that you had, you know, thought about this and you were like, this is all we can do. I'm sort of, it, it makes me realize that so much of this has to do with personality type and just the way we function in the world. And the way that I have always functioned in the world, for better or for worse, is do what you need to do and you'll figure out the rest later. And for me, yes, we had a feeding tube at the time. We had this ominous future, you know, ahead of us that we had heard about, read about. Um, but I was like, we got to do this and we will figure it out. And I just need to put a little caveat in there. It's not that I was being as reckless as you might think. We have, we had a solid marriage. We had money, we had um, a lot of friends around uh, to help with, you know, emergency situations. We had a foundation that was going to be solid enough to deal with whatever may come along. And some people might say no foundation would ever be enough to deal with having another kid on top of this. But that's how my brain worked. I, um, I just felt like I, it was mostly me. I need to do this. This is something that I have to do for my own um, for my own sanity. And I was very, um, I was really determined. I had this idea in my head that this would make our family complete. Uh, I had heard from talking with other moms that uh, that having another kid sort of made the disability kind of not the primary focus of your life. And I needed to hear that because that's what I was the most afraid of, that this disability was going to consume every single thing in my life and my family's life. And I had this idea that that turned out to be accurate, correct for my family, that our family went from being in my head, I'm just saying in my head, our family went from having, you know, uh, a kid with, you know, uh, I, I went from being a mom of a kid with a dis a significant disability to a mom of four and chaos with the, with the four. And that is what allowed me to the thought about the thinking about it turned out to be the reality that my life just became, Oh, I have four kids and one of them has this and I'm dealing with this and I'm dealing with the four kids. And, um, that was what one of you know one or two of the moms had told me. Another mom said, "Oh, I would not have another kid. I would not have another kid." But I chose not to listen to that mom. And I also want to say that I um, I did my due diligence. I I met up with a therapist. Um, we had a therapist with early intervention that I've mentioned in previous episodes. She was a psychiatric nurse, and she was incredibly helpful. And um, we met with her to talk about having another kid. And um, I will say that most of the, um, well, I'll, I'll stop there. We did a lot of work with that therapist. And the main thing that I remember her saying is, what are you going to do 
if well, one of the things that she said, what are you going to do when your kids get older and they're into sports and you're going to have to drive all these kids to all these things? And I was like, what? That's a reason not to have another kid because you're going to have to drive a bunch of them to sports. And to me, that's sort of solidified. It's like, that's nonsense. Like, I didn't go to any sports or do anything growing up in my tiny New York City apartment with six siblings. We didn't go to sports. We didn't we didn't do all that stuff. Little did I know being a suburban mom with all the kids that was going to come into play. But to me, that was not a reason not to have another kid. So I'll stop there. Reverse psychology, huh? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's that's a funny story. And especially because sometimes as a professional, you really don't know who you're talking to and what's their background and perspective. Exactly. Like, of course. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I back to our story. So I, I just my my son's middle name is Malachi, which is in Hebrew Malachi, which means my angel. And uh, I always look at uh, at Hillel, my second son, as, as a miracle because uh, honestly, both my husband and I till today cannot explain how he was conceived. He, <laughs> he didn't care about contraception. He was there to show up at his own time. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, the 99% work rate of uh, contraception. Uh, he he was able to fool the statistics. So our family always falls in the wrong side of statistics. So Hillel is another <laughs> example of that. But um, for me, you know, uh, going through the, the pregnancy and the uh, childbirth uh, with uh, a second child after all of those traumas of raising my daughter to that point, one of the things that I was terrified about is the uh, when I would take my daughter to therapy, I met other families and I met several other families that had a couple of children with disabilities and complex disabilities for that uh, uh, matter. It's been a, a terrifying notion, you know, not knowing if the, the baby that I'm carrying is healthy and well and uh, would be able to survive childbirth and to be able to grow up with some of, uh, we know some kids with disabilities, you only know that they have a disability much later on in life. And uh, I remember that one of the scariest things that happened to me when I was pregnant we had to go, and I'm not sure how do you call it, like at about four months, you go to do an ultrasound that is kind yes. of... Is that the CVS or the CV? I think it's called a... I, uh, I don't know. No, not that. Just an ultrasound. But yeah. we did the ultrasound and the technician kind of went away and said that she'll come back in a few minutes with the results. And the few minutes took longer and longer and longer and she's not coming back and I started really stressing out and mm -hmm. then uh, a half an hour later uh, my husband went outside to look for her or someone else that can maybe come and give us the results because it took so long that we became worried mm -hmm. and he said listen uh, they are all busy there's a, the whole team is looking at the, sc the screens somewhere and I can't talk to them Sorry, my dog is joining the conversation. <laughs> so I, I that that worried me even more. Why are they all having this 
conversation around the screen and I literally had a panic attack. I don't know exactly like how to describe it, but uh, I, I had like, a, you know, my heart was pounding. I was really out of my mind with worry. I've never been that worried in my life as waiting there for the results, thinking of how would our life look like with two children with disabilities. And obviously it's something very complex if the whole team is there discussing the results. And after about, uh, I don't know, an hour, finally someone came back to our room. I was like, seriously, like out, out of my mind with worry. And they said, ah, everything is fine. Thanks for stepping in today and kind of dismissing us like that. And I'm like, seriously, what, what was happening? Why did you do that to us? We told yeah. you that we have a child with special needs. Why couldn't yeah. you come earlier and let us know that everything is fine? She said, well, we had a really like... Uh, emergency with another mom in another room so anyway you know it's kind of like it, that day it wasn't me it was the tragedy of another family and another parent but the the whole experience there the yeah. the fear the anxiety uh, not, not knowing like uh, what what would this child bring about into our life mm -hmm. and thinking that as a couple we don't have um, the money, the support, the family, the friends, because we were in an expat assignment in Canada to, to deal with all of this once again. So that, that was kind of an eye-opening experience. I was literally sick for a week after that. Like wow. I started like uh, getting a fever that evening and I knew that this wow. was just too much for my system. And uh, just uh, as I'm sharing this with all of you, I want to say, some of us weren't warned before we had our kids with a disability that this is even a possibility. You kind of yeah. go through this whole process of, uh, you know, <laughs> the maternity and the raising uh, children. Uh -huh. You think that everybody's child is perfect. And then kind of you get that slap in the face that something happens to your own child. But I, I really want to... Um, maybe share that moment with other people because that moment was just a moment for me. But I know that for other families, this is reality. Yeah. So to invite everybody really to think about how is our family able to deal with another child with a disability? If the worst is to happen to us in, in terms of, uh, and not to say that it's the worst to have a child with a disability, but, um, in terms of your family's ability to cope, if you had another child like your child or another child with a different type of a disability, what are the resources that you have to deal with this emotionally and technically, like physically? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And this, you know, you're reminding me that so much, um, you know, that we've talked about of, of sensitivity of doctors and technicians, like that was a sensitivity issue that you know, had they thought about it for one second, they would have come in and say, we're just, just so you know, nothing's wrong. We're just dealing with something. That tiny little step that would have taken them two seconds probably could have saved you so much trauma, extra, you know, extra trauma. Oh, I'm sorry you dealt with that. <laughs> um, so you're welcome. Uh, yeah, dealing with, um, so I, you know, this is where denial comes in. Uh, and I remember our, our therapist at the time saying, you know, having any baby is a leap of faith. Having a baby is a leap of faith. So, um, and that's absolutely true. Uh, we did something to, you know, calm 
ourselves down was we got every test under the sun that we were were able to get um, early on to see if you know there was a problematic pregnancy everything seemed fine and once all the tests came back you know that everything looked fine obviously you can't test for everything we it was a leap of faith you know it and I was I put it out of my mind I was like this is I need to do this and that outweighs that outweighs um you know what might happen that could happen to any child you know it could happen to our current children the children that we already had something could happen later on so it was in it wasn't in our hands anymore. And I was just, uh, I was just ready, you know, to have this baby. Um, I also want to mention that uh, this was a, ours was a completely planned pregnancy. But the second I got the pregnancy test back positive, I went into a serious panic. Reality hit. So here I was like planning this, you were going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And the second the pregnancy test came back positive, I freaked. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? What a selfish person I am. Who do I think I am doing this to my family? I, you know, I already have three kids. How am I going to do this? And I went into a complete panic. So I was, you know, following my, my plan with my drive. And then reality set in, like, who do I think I am that I can do this? Um, how, you know, I felt such guilt, like I'm not going to be able to pay attention to the kids, blah, blah, blah. So I went in to talk to the doctor, uh, about this. Um, and I brought up my concerns to our OBGYN. And I said, I'm afraid. I'm not sure what I want to do with this pregnancy because I'm terrified that my kids are not going to get enough attention. And he was a kind, wise, older doctor. He has since retired, I've heard. And he looked at me and he said, paying attention to your kids to that extent is really like a new concept. <laughs> he said, he said, you know, kids need to be loved and having siblings is the best thing for kids. And he, with that one simple statement, he assuaged all my or most of my guilt and my concerns about this pregnancy. And I was like, all right, I'm ready. And, it, you know, I just want to point out that having someone in your corner to just, it's so important to have someone to talk to a lot of people. And what he said really resonated with me because, again, I was one of seven kids. And I pretty much got no attention growing up because they were seven kids, but I still am so glad that I had six siblings. And so that really, what he said really resonated with me. And again, we had the foundation, we had the resource, the financial resources, we had the, you know, the, everything was sort of as stable as it could be um, to be able to do this. And I really want to make that clear because it, you know, it can be considered reckless. It can be considered, but you know what? Everybody deserves to be able to have children and that's everyone's right. So even if you feel like someone, you know, there's a lot of judgment there. Um, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, but, um, I think that we internalize other people's opinions and judgments when we don't need to. So I can launch into that or we, I can hand the baton back to you, Iris. <laughs> Whatever you want, Alma, you are on a roll. So <laughs> want me to continue? I'll, I'll just continue with the fact that I was 
the the most stressful part of my pregnancy with my fourth was people's reactions or my concern of what people of of how people were going to react to me some of it was justified that i had these concerns but most of it was my own crap in my own head and my own judgments of myself so for better or for worse, I did not show in this pregnancy until my fifth month. It was bizarre. My clothes fit me, everything. So I completely was able to hide, quote unquote, this pregnancy where nobody had any idea I was pregnant. The worst part of that, I mean, the good part is that I got to wear all my clothes. <laughs> the bad part of that was that it allowed me to have all this time to stress out about what people's reactions were going to be to me, which I shouldn't have had to care about, but I did. And I'm sharing this because I think it's a real reality for a lot of people that we have this internalized, you know, uh, judgment, prejudice, you know, or what, you know, that there was something wrong with me for pushing this, for having another kid. Whereas I shouldn't have cared about what anybody thought. I, you know, we were doing this as a family. It was none of anybody's business, but I did get people when I told them, I did have many people say, was this planned? Their first reaction was, was this planned? And I said, yes, it was planned. Um, other people were like, that's great. But most people's reactions were, oh my God, like, what is she, you know, like, wow. Uh, it wasn't like, oh my God, congratulations. It was, and I think that it said a lot to me about how people viewed our family. And it, it made me upset because they, I was sort of right in, in my concerns about how people were going to react to this because they saw our lives as so messed up that they were like, why on earth would anybody add to this? Just, I had the same reaction when we got a dog, by the way, <laughs> that like, what on earth or were you thinking kind of thing? And they were sort of right about that one. But um, this idea that people saw our lives, it's so screwed up that like, how could you possibly add to this? And a, our fourth has brought so much joy to our lives and truly completed our family. And, you know, I wish that I could go back to my pregnant self with my fourth to be able to not care what anybody thought. And I didn't, in the end, I really didn't care what they thought, but the concern, I, I was judging myself at the time for having a having another kid. And um, I felt like, oh, this is selfish. This is, you know, um, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm screwing up our family by adding more chaos. And of course it did add more chaos to our family, but it, but what it provided was so much more than the negative side of chaos. Like she truly completed our family and put everything in perspective about what everybody's needs were and she just you know i can't even articulate it it's like it's what something that i needed to do my gut said we we needed to do this and i was right it, it you know it, it it was hard but it was something that was very positive for me and i think that most people who go on to have a kid after they have a child with extreme needs will say they will pretty much most of the time, not not say, damn, I wish I didn't have this extra kid. I think that most people, and I don't want to speak for everyone because I'm sure that there are people who did, you know, who do say I shouldn't have done this, you know, even though they love their kid, 
that they had, they might say that it was the wrong decision. Um, I'm sure that that exists. For me, it was not the case. And if that is the case, please go um, talk to a therapist, talk to friends, because it's a normal, that is a normal uh, feeling as well. And um, we, whatever you're feeling is normal for you. And um, it needs to be discussed so that everyone can move forward as positively and with you know as little stress as possible. But that was my that was my experience. Wow, um, that was so interesting that I completely forgot what I was supposed to talk about. I'm so <laughs> like entangled in your story here. Uh, it's it's kind of funny that um, you know I like to to do these uh, pretend games of what would have happened if we didn't have another child what would mm -hmm. have happened if this uh, second child didn't have a sister with a disability etc and how life would be different or uh, better or worse for each scenario and it's it's very very interesting because obviously life would be completely different in either one of those cases and uh, one of the scenarios that I tried, uh, that I had uh, an opportunity to try a bit was, uh, I think I spoke about it in one of the episodes that one of our trips for my daughter's therapy, we arrived at uh, the airport and we just had too much equipment and uh, between uh, the two adults and the two kids, we just took our three-year-old and plugged him into her uh, gate trainer and we let him kind of run after us in the airport in the gate trainer because that was the only way to carry it with us and um, <laughs> even though it was quite heavy for for a tiny one to walk with it he did it and we made it all the way to our gate like that but in that uh, you know half an hour time spent in the airport with two children with disabilities suddenly, one in the wheelchair and the other one in a complex gate trainer. And we did get to experience some of how does it feel like to be out in the community with two kids in this, with disabilities uh -huh. in the same family. I can tell you, if I thought that we got a lot of attention with the one, yeah. <laughs> two, it was even like the airport stopped. <laughs> That's basically how it felt like. <laughs> and um, and it's, it's an experience. And I, I do know personally another family with two kids with CP. And uh, I know other families with two children that are wheelchair users uh, because of a genetical syndrome, etc. It's like this is something that oh, does yeah. happen and uh, when we talk about that there is something about having another child that is for me such like a profound statement about the force of life you know yes that yeah. having another child is like i am continuing to live and allowing yes. myself to live as a normal family as a kind of you know Absolutely. a normal young person who decides to kind of uh I, I guess decides about the size of their family regardless of exactly it's, a, it's the power of resilience and it's it's a statement you're absolutely right it is life goes on life goes on yeah and uh, regardless of that I think that uh, you know it's it's only the people that have really tasted you know the the bitter fruits of of having to go through all the barriers that the system have, that our society has, that the medical uh, uh, establishment has, all the things that we have to really stress out about and fight for, for our children day in, day out. Um, 
it's only fair to say that we really do have much more to consider because there is no parent ever that wants their child to have a disability, small or large. It's just like it it doesn't work this way. We all hope for the best for our kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, a part of like wanting the best for them is maybe having having some sort of a a plan and the luxury of uh, saying ah well we'll deal with it when it comes is is really a luxury for yes. for people that don't have a lot to deal with and i feel that uh, our families in our group have really so much on their plate and there is only so much that you can put on one's back before you break it yeah. so anyway it's a uh, it's obviously one of those very, very personal decisions. It's yes. a decision that needs to not only consider the person themselves, but if they have a partner, the partner. I remember mm-hmm. that, as I said, my husband and I, we had a really good plan. Like if we, God forbid, get pregnant, <laughs> we will go and have an abortion. But when I found out that I was pregnant, in contrary to you and your story about how after you planned it all, you panicked. I was like, after I planned it all not to have it, I was just so joyful when I found out that I was pregnant and then everything fell into place. Because the decision was taken away from you, maybe, (laughs) and it was like meant to be. Yes. So it was kind of a reverse uh, picture of that. But um, all in all, um, it's just... um, you're you're not in it alone ever mm-hmm. you know raising a child you're a part of something that is bigger than you whether it's the community that you live in your family of origin if you have mm-hmm. a spouse your spouse etc and i think really you need to consider all of those kind of components and to see like would this work for me or am I going to put myself in a position that I am going to become maybe a victim of my own circumstances? Yes. Yes. And I, and I want to just add to that. There are some things, you know, I know people who have um, because of their concerns about having a, a second child with a disability that they didn't feel they could handle if, you know, the potential of having a second child with a disability, they adopted kids who were older. Uh, you know, some people adopted kids who were, you know, a teenagers. Some people adopted kids as babies, as toddlers. And, you know, for some, it has worked out. For some, they ended up having a disability, those kids. Um, but there are different ways to create a family. And it doesn't even mean that you have to adopt a family. You could be an amazing aunt or uncle to your nephew and niece and have that be sort of considered part of your family or, you know, be a big brother, big sister and the big brothers, big sister organization. There are lots of different ways to have the experience of expanding your family without actually having another child. So just, you know, that's important. Volunteering, you know, with children. There are so many ways to to just have a rich, fulfilled life with children, without children, there are so many ways to, to have a family. So to each his own, that we just wanted to share our our stories. Um, hopefully some of it will resonate with you, will help you. Maybe it will deter you from having another child, who knows? But uh, that's what we do here at Two Moms No Fluff. We just, we just try to talk about the hard things and um, you take from it what you will. 
Alma, thank you so very much for openly sharing your experiences. I know this is one of those episodes yeah. that we're really putting all the cards on the table for everybody. <laughs> and uh, we hope that our listeners really do take something from it. And thank you again for joining us. We would love to get your comments and uh, your own personal take either on our uh, website or Facebook group. Thank you for joining us today. And we'll see you next yeah. time. Thanks a lot for coming. Take care. Bye. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.